Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. What is the creator economy and why should you care? And how can brands work with creators to generate actual product sales? I mean, how do you move from guessing what's effective to knowing and even better, understanding why your campaign actually killed it at checkout? So to find out, we're talking with Rachel Tipograph. Rachel is the CEO and founder of social commerce company Micmac. Rachel's the go-to expert for many brands and retailers on everything from e-commerce and retail media to data. In fact, she's like a consigliere for marketers. So Micmac works with a wide range of brands, everyone from L'Oreal and Hershey to Mattel and Bacardi to make nearly any kind of content, even creator content, shoppable. This means that when people see their favorite creator make a product recommendation, they can instantly shop for it collect data and insights through Micmac's technology. We'll learn how brands can close the loop between amazing creator content and the serious commerce and analytics they need to succeed. So grab a bowl of popcorn, pour yourself a cold beverage, and let's go deep into the fast moving world of shoppable content. Roll the intro, please. Everything is better with creators. The podcast that takes a deep dive into all things creator economy. Produced and presented by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. With your hosts, Ashley Rudder, Emma Harmon, Jamie Goodfriend, and Marco Batozzi. Welcome to Everything is Better with Creators. I'm Jamie Goodfriend, your guide to all things happening in the creator economy. Every week, myself or my colleagues, Marco Petrazzi, Emma Harmon, or Ashley Rudder will be hosting this podcast. Coming up, we're getting right into this episode with our big interview with Rachel Tipograph from Micmac. If you want to learn about the state of the art for e-commerce how to capture insights, and what it's like to change an entire industry, then you're in for an interesting conversation with Rachel as she talks us through the intersection of the creator economy and all things e-commerce. Just a reminder that Everything is Better with Creators is brought to you by Whaler. The Whaler Way combines tech, 
talent, and creative social strategy to match brands with creators and produce authentic content that people really want to see. Whaler is democratizing the creative process for brands and creators by empowering a global talent network of thousands of influencers, tastemakers, creatives, and storytellers to connect with your target audience, making advertising more inclusive, diverse, and effective. Check out more at Whaler. That's W-H-A-L-A-R dot com. And now it's time to bring up the headliner of the evening. Very special. Please welcome to the stage. The Big Interview. Everything is better with creators. So I have a confession to make. I have a, I'm having a bit of a fangirl moment, and I'm actually a little bit nervous for this interview because I get to talk to Rachel, who I've been business stalking for quite a few years, and she's a professional podcaster. So I'm just setting it up with honesty here. I'm I'm very excited and a little nervous. Uh, first of all, we are we've done partnerships in business. You're not a stalker, and second of all. <laughs> This is already more professional than the podcast that I co-host with Sarah, this setup. Okay, well, I I credit our producer, Jeff Cologne, <laughs> for that, and my and Kalina. So that's good. We were actually, before you just came on, I think it'll be a good segue. We were just talking about um, empathy in business and what it's like to be an empath and how that is good, bad, or, or tougher in a, in a remote working environment. Because you know, you're an expert at helping clients understand something that doesn't exist, which takes a lot of intuition because you have to teach people. How, what Are you an empath? That's funny. I never use that word to describe myself. And I, I do think I have a strong ability to read the tea leaves and predict where things are going. Um, to bring to bring people with me, it's all about telling a vision story that they can understand and get behind of, and and tell the story themselves. That's what I found uh, leads to success. Oh, I love that! And they told two friends, and they told two friends, and so on. Yeah, and but it it has to be simple enough that the story can be retold. So tell me, what's the Micmac story? Great segue. <laughs> Um, I mean, the, the short version of the story is I've been doing e-commerce my entire career. And before I built Micmac, I was brand side. I ran global digital and social media at Gap. I was a total wildcard hire. The company had a decade of declining sales and aging customer base. The senior leadership team looked around the room. Their target customer wasn't at the table. So they decided to hire me. And the mandate was lower the average age of the customer and grow the digital business. And I was there 2011, 2014. It was three positive years of the company's growth. Net profits increased by 70%. Digital went from 5% of the overall revenue to 20%. And we knocked a decade off the customer. It, it definitely launched sort of my professional brand into the ether. But what was more important was the time that I was there, which was 2011, 2014. I don't know where... Actually, I do know where you were, Jamie, at the time, um, but I don't know where the listeners were. And if we all remember the internet then, it was it was really the rise of like visual social media, Instagram, Pinterest, Snap. And there was this tectonic shift of all of a sudden brands realizing that you, you couldn't relegate social to the intern, that it actually was going to be the, the second or third most popular 
traffic source to their, their commerce ecosystem. And what I saw during that time was all of these darling direct-to-consumer brands enter the market because the barrier to entry was so low. You could go on Alibaba, source products, hire a graphic designer on Fiverr, start uh, launch a Shopify site, buy Facebook ads to drive customer acquisition, and boom, you're in business. And what that meant is that Gap's competition was no longer just J. Crew or Uniqlo. It was anyone who could buy Facebook ads. And during the years of 2011, 2014, I just watched the cost per customer acquisition rise and rise and rise because we were all competing for the same eyeballs. And while that was happening, I was watching America turn to Amazon to try to buy Gap. And if you think about Gap, it's one of America's oldest direct-to-consumer brands. And my thesis that no one really wanted to hear internally at Gap at the time was whether you like it or not, you will one day be available for sale on Amazon. And fast forward to today, you know, you walk into Costco, you see Casper mattresses. You walk into Nordstrom's, you see Away suitcases. You walk into Target, you see Harry's razors. Like all of these darling direct-to-consumer brands, this thesis played out. Their cost per customer acquisition became so high that they had to look for alternative forms of distribution, meaning big box retail. And then once they did that, they were no different than the mass consumer product companies that we all love and know, like P&G, Unilever, Lego, Bose speakers, you name it. And well, only that they I, hadn't. Oh, oh, just one thing, though, is like, I think it's interesting to say that because they did, though, come with a bit more bravery, to use your word, those they were forced to be innovative, but what? they didn't they could establish a brand a lot faster and be more nimble because they were purpose built. So I guess that would be my only pushback. No, for sure. And that, and that's absolutely fair to say. Um, I think what's, what's hard though, is that in this D to C world where you feel like everyone knows Warby Parker, if you go to certain parts of the country, they go Warby who, right? Like we have such blinders because our feed is so personalized that we don't actually realize like these companies have not reached mass adoption. And so then they end up in the shelves of big box retail and they struggle because they're, they're not a recognizable brand. Um, so, you know, I think there's, there's things that we could debate there, but the, the point of my story was uh, I believed that every consumer product company would one day have to end up in the shelves of Amazon target Walmart. And if that became true, someone was going to have to build software that allows them to own more of the customer journey, collect first party data while still driving sales at their biggest retail partners. And at the time in 2014, uh, such software didn't exist. And I felt like, wow, it'd, it'd be a pretty awesome opportunity to go to try to build this myself. So I quit my job and kind of the rest is history. You know, fast forward seven and a half years later, here I am. So going from a wild card hire, which you that was really smart on their part mm-hmm. and like most people, you took what you learned and evolved. I don't know if they could have ever kept you. So it's yeah. a brain drain of, mm-hmm. of really innovative thinking, which is hard for legacy brands. But can you explain why does somebody hire Micmac today? What is the benefit proposition? And yeah. how, do they, how do they benefit from that? Yeah, so if you're a brand that's available at mass retail, like a PNG, a Unilever, a Kellogg's, a General Mills, a L'Oreal, you know, Lego, et cetera. 
the majority of your revenue, like typically 90% of your revenue is coming from the big box retailers, Amazon, Target, Walmart, Kroger, Peapod, you know, Sephora, Ulta, Drizzly, Minibar, Dick's Sporting Goods, Best Buy, you name it. And as a brand, you are sending all this traffic to retailers and you're getting back no information in return. As a result, you're flying blind. You have no idea what creative, what audience, what campaign objective, what media channel, what influencer actually led to conversion to drive your bottom line at these mass retailers. And so when you have a CFO coming into your office or your Zoom every single day asking you to justify your marketing investments and you tell them, I'm out of luck, I got no data, you look for software solutions that really can tell that end-to-end customer journey story. And that's why you hire McMac. And I will say uh, I'm biased because I have I have hired McMac <laughs> twice uh, and have to say it was definitely one of the best conversations I would ever have with the CFO was when I was able to share Micmac data to your exact point, because I could say, see, it is working. We also found, and especially in those early days, it was great to be able to have an understanding of which retailer the the customer wanted, Mm -hmm. not interrupt their flow. So the experience for the consumer is they are on social and they see of something they want to buy, they don't have to leave the site to make the purchase. And you can actually give them a choice of which big box retailer they want to spend their money on, which as a brand is so powerful because you can see what's happening. That that was really incredibly helpful for, for my experience with you guys. Yeah. And you, you just hit the nail on the head that the consumer value proposition with the company is exactly what you just described, which is, hey, I want to buy this product right now what retailers is it available at, and how fast can I get it? And we facilitate that. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, Forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. So let's talk about this big topic of social commerce, right? Mm. It means so many different things. It's kind of like influencer, creator, how would you define social commerce today? So for me, it's, it's when social influences the point of sale. And that's how I would draw the umbrella statement. And then I would put lots of things in it. One of the things is checkout, but that's just one aspect of social commerce. And, and so, you know, within it, 
It can be word of mouth marketing, right? Which obviously Whaler plays a huge part in that ecosystem. Um, it could be referral traffic. It could be native checkout. It could be coupon redemption. It could be a customer service experience. So much of customer service now is happening in things like Messenger. I put all of that under the umbrella of social commerce. As opposed to, I, this is the, the joke that one of my colleagues tells. He said, okay, and no world ever do I watch TV, see an ad for, say, chewing gum, quickly race to my car, jump in, drive to the big box store, or the drugstore, and buy that pack of gum, right? That so doesn't ever happen. And yet the whole attribution modeling and the sales funnel is different for social commerce than it is for traditional commerce. I don't know. Did we screw ourselves when we went into digital and said, you can measure everything? Well, I think what that that person uh, is speaking to is that there's different purchase funnels for different products, right? Gum is considered an impulse buy. And so if you're you're working at a brand manufacturer where your category is an impulse buy, there's a whole set of strategies that you know I would articulate for you to deploy versus a company that's selling professional camera equipment for $2,700. So I think it's understanding those nuances and, and knowing where social plays a role in that customer journey. Okay, so in this definition of social commerce, and that's fair, I just was using mm -hmm. gum as a joke, yep. but because it sounded well, funnier than I saying- I only said that because I had some gum customers. <laughs> oh, fair enough. But <laughs> if I'd said, I'd said wine, that actually wouldn't work either because I would get in my car and drive right away to go get a bottle of wine if well, I was yeah. out. Well, yeah, I mean, 40% so, of our, well, I shouldn't say 40, 20% of our revenue comes from wine, beer, and spirits now at Knickknack. So why should you leave? Me. I say, why should you leave your house? <laughs> right, because you have Drizzly and Mini Bar and Reserve Bar and, you know, all these services now. So for them or for any, and I, okay, maybe you have to pick it by uh, customer category. What is your definition of a conversion? Is it a sale? Is it a, an action? Just so that people, because all the models are kind of shifting in this space and, I'm, mm -hmm. and you're the expert. So I want to, before we get into creators, I want yeah. you to be able to explain. So I think that the first thing that everyone just needs to accept, because this is just the state of the world that we all are playing in. No one can ever articulate to you 100% attributed sales. And the reason being is that we are all playing in the confines of these web browsers that do not want to play nice with each other because they're all at war with each other. So Safari is at war with Chrome. And so every single time you make a change in your user behavior, that weakens the ability of any type of retail environment to attribute a sale. If you even talk to Walmart, They'll tell you that last click attribution, they've modeled it out. They believe only represents 10% of all possible attributed sales. Because when you see something on Instagram and you're on your phone in the native incognito Safari browser, and then you move to the Walmart mobile app, boom, attribution's already broken. And so I say all this because CFOs need to be really educated on this that it is completely unfair to hold your marketing team to something that is not technically possible, which is presuming that they can measure 100% of all attributed sales. So at Micmac, you know, we provide our customers with sales data. Our software mostly gets trafficked in social 
and programmatic media. We also can live on brand.com, but the majority of our traffic is often existing in social and programmatic media. And then the customer goes through these different hoops based on their shopping preference. And as a result, we're reporting on a subset of all possible sales. And we call our sales at attribution product sales insights because it really is a sample set of all possible sales, but it's statistically significant. And so you can glean really powerful insights from this. You can absolutely understand which media channel is more effective. You can look at it at a campaign level. You can deeply understand which creative is leading to the highest amount of revenue. And you can see basket level sales data trends. So, you know, we have a customer, this is a public story, so I can talk about it. Ollie's Vitamins, Unilever owns them. And when the customer is putting Ollie's Vitamins into their cart, they're also putting fresh produce into the cart. What did that e-com team do with that insight? They didn't just keep it to themselves. They brought it to the R&D team and they're like, we need to develop vitamin flavors around fresh produce. And so it's when everyone can start to see the power of the data that goes beyond ROAS, that's where real magic and opportunity happens. Okay. Those dropping knowledge so much, and I've never but thought about it this way. You're going back to your question of what do I define as conversion? Yeah. I think I think you need to align, you know, as a team on what's the point of the media and what are you op- trying to optimize for? Are you trying to optimize towards sales? Are you trying to optimize towards traffic, towards a particular retailer, uh, video views, whatever it might be? And then whatever that objective is becomes the marker of conversion. Not technically possible. So I'm going to remember that the next time I have a, it's not it's a hundred, a hundred percent attributed sales is not technically possible. That's the quote. I'm going to just burn into my mind. Okay. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about the role of creators in this ecosystem as obviously whalers more focused on that aspect of it, but I think the full funnel, the entire customer journey is up for grabs. I know you talk a lot about brands being in the driver's seat. How does Micmac, how do you personally look at the role of, I call them creators in this case versus influencers versus affiliate marketing, but what's your feeling? Um, I think so much of the world is, sh- is showing us that it's shifting towards the power of creators. I don't, I don't want to nerd out on this too much unless you do, but um, you know, if we just think about crypto, right, it's this whole idea of community ownership and each one of us plays a role in this community. And I think creators uh, will continue to have the ability to influence groups of people to take actions. Um, and so the role of the creator, it they have the ability to, to build businesses that stand the test of time. They have the ability to influence large groups of people to take actions or, or get behind certain missions. Um, and so I see them as a, a lasting part of this ecosystem. And on a more CFO level conversation, because I do want to nerd out and geek out on it, because I do think it's fascinating. From a CFO perspective, it seems that every CFO is now asking, well, where's your influencer strategy? Which yeah, is great, yeah. but it's very transactional still mm-hmm. on many levels. They know it's working. They just don't know why. And it's cheap mm-hmm. enough to their perspective sometimes. But what is the role of an influencer, how do you see it working from a CFO perspective and the value of its impact? Yeah, I would say the way that CFOs talk about these things internally is they see influencer as a channel. So the same way that you would see programmatic media as a channel, 
or search as a channel. And, you know, I, it would be hard for me to give a stat on how many CFOs I think are like doing media mix models with influencers as a channel. But I do think that some organizations are also lumping the influencer line item into affiliate because that that's always been a very established channel. It's been around longer. Um, and so they'll, they'll group it in there as well. So they think of it like a media channel. Obviously, there's, there's way more legs to it because it, it can be content creation. It could be partnerships. It could be co-product development where you're you know, establishing JVPs. But from a CFO standpoint, they're probably looking at it like it's a media channel. Yeah, we find that as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there's a lot of education that still needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think the industry is still growing up in the sense that asking the right questions and knowing how, I mean, it's, we're not really old enough to have the measurement at the level that it will be soon. We're where we need to be right now, but it's an exciting new space to be able to integrate data, be able to look at a creator, be able to evaluate the content that they're making and then see the impact in terms of not just actual sales conversion, but how you integrate it into your content production strategy, your DE&I. As we say, it allows brands to source ideas and content directly from the communities that they most want to reach. Mm-hmm. And I, we find that so fascinating as opposed to the QVC model, which is here, I'm a, I've got nice teeth by my toothbrush, mm-hmm. which is a lot of where the CFOs still are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe that can really help. It does help identify which partnerships are delivering the most traditional oh, conversions. Yeah. I would say a major use case for us is a lot of our customers use our software as a measurement tool for their influencer media. Um, and they, they have these like crazy maps. I mean, I'm sure it's not on the wall, but the way this is how I visualize it, where they have like macro influencers and the majors and the micros. And then like, we're measuring all of that effectiveness. Just as a quick close out, tell us what's next for Micmac partnerships. I know you guys are just killing it with hiring and keep winning awards. I love seeing all the positive <laughs> in the, in the hiring. Um, you know, what's next? We've, we're making massive investments in our international expansion. So, uh, you know, we now have customers in EMEA, LATAM, APAC. The business started in North America. So that's a huge area of focus for us. Um, I'm very bullish on digital commerce going beyond just traditional e-commerce channels, meaning um, I... I'm very interested in like the food service aspect of digital commerce. So you're probably going to see more come out from us there. Um, as I am bullish on those channels growing as a larger part of the ecosystem. Um, I believe in some verticals that I think have more growth opportunities like home and auto in the space. So you'll see things happen there. Um, and then to the topic of retail media that we just spent 20 minutes talking about it because it divert, deserves it, you will see much more come out from us there. I love that. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for letting me indulge my desire to ask you millions of questions. Congratulations on just being a, a boss and being a great boss from everybody says building an amazing company and being a nice person. 
Thank you for being on with us today, Rachel. Thank you. And Jamie, you're one of my favorite executives. So Whaler is very lucky to have you. I paid her to say that. Thanks, <laughs> Rachel. I did. Okay, we're out. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard today and will come along with us as we navigate this journey to the promised land of the creator economy. Make sure to subscribe or follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen to audio. And of course, we'd love a rating and review if you get the opportunity. Special thanks to Rachel Tipograph for joining us. Make sure to check out more from Whaler and all things at the intersection of a talent network, brand partnerships, technology, and creativity at whaler.com. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. For everything is better with creators, I'm Jamie Goodfriend. We'll catch you next time. with creators is produced by whaler whaler we power the creator economy learn more at whaler.com hey there are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company meet viral growth your one-stop shop for video content and audience building imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours with viral growth it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.